Hello, I'm horror cartoonist Dennis St. John. I draw monsters and write twisted tales. As you can imagine, I was a little obsessed with Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Lucky for me, so were most of my high school friends, all except one. One friend who stubbornly refused to join the Scoobies. So here we are, 20-some-odd years later. I'm teaming up with Doc Travis, John Teach Landis, and maybe a special guest or two. And we're going to make our friend, Michael Poli, watch one episode of Buffy Week until he's no longer the Buffy Virgin. Hey, welcome to Buffy Virgin, a spoiler-free Buffy the Vampire Slayer podcast. Uh, we're going to be talking Blood Kin with Season 5, Episode 6, Family. I'm your host, monster expert Dennis St. John, and we have returning guests, cartoonist Maya Kobabe. Yay, hello! Um, also, I wanted to know, I'm, first, I'm so excited to be back because I love your podcast and I eagerly await all of the episodes. Um, and now that you've outpaced buffering, you're my first Buffy podcast that I listen to. Um, also, last time I was here, I forgot to mention my pronouns, which I didn't notice until I re-listened to the episode. Um, so I use the pronouns E.M. Air, which are a non-binary version of pronouns that are similar to they them there um, but with the th removed and dennis has used them very well for me at a few me- uh, mentions in the show which i really appreciate i don't know if listeners would have picked up on that but um anyway really excited to be back uh, talking about another great buffy episode yeah we're really excited to have you and um if you catch us misusing your pronouns please call us out um which you've I- been a gold star <laughs> ace so far thanks and uh we have uh some of the usual band. John is uh, not with us this week, but we have uh, the other two. Why don't you guys introduce yourself from most prepared for European travel to least? No <laughs> Trav- one's prepared. Yes, hi. <laughs> I assumed you would hi, be my prepared. Name's Trav. <laughs> okay. Um, okay, great. And uh, my name is Michael. I'm the Virgin. I've only seen Buffy up to the family episode, season five, episode six. And I am the least prepared for European travel at this moment. But I do have a passport. So. We can make it happen. I got a passport in a plastic bag. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so why don't we jump right into the summary? The summary. Listen up, Tara. In order to become an official member of the Scooby gang, you need to. Thing one, cast a spell that puts your friends' lives in jeopardy. Thing two, Keep your family life a secret. No one can learn that your cousin Beth is Academy Award-winning actress Amy Adams. Thing three, you need to ignore your parents. I know your dad has that dog-eared copy of The Handmaid's Tale by his bed. I know he knows everything. Maybe you are a demon. Maybe you should quit school, but not now. And the fourth thing, the final thing, you need to prove you're not a demon by getting punched in the face. And then I've got some good news for you. You're not just a part of the gang. Gang means family. Uh, thanks, Mike. That was dope. All right. Uh, let's do Great Lines. Great Lines. Maya, why don't you start us off? Uh, I laughed so many times in the watching of this episode. I don't know if it was just because I hadn't actually seen a Buffy episode for several months, but I was like, this episode is hilarious. <laughs> um uh, like I loved the chatter when they're talking about what to get a Tara for her birthday. And there was one line, which I don't know if the words, I have the words exactly correct, but Xander says roughly, all I know is that she likes Willow and she already has one of those, which 
I that was great. Um, and then there's a good one when Tara's dad is being awful, which I guess doesn't narrow down at all. Um, when he says she belongs with us, we know how to control her problem with just this like great little pause in there. And then right near the end, when Tara's dad said, um, we're her blood. Who the hell are you? And Buffy says, we're family. Yeah, you went from uh, funny lines to, to serious yeah. lines. It had them all. It had the whole emotional range. Yeah. Well, I love the Buffy Riley fan fiction stuff that was happening this episode when Buffy comes back home and like, I guess no Joyce this up and Riley's all like, oh, welcome home, honey. And then she has this great line. Well, this earns you a very big favor. There could be outfits. And I love the weird sex positive world that this <laughs> takes place in because it's so unlike the world they normally live in. Uh, so it's, <laughs> it's lovely. So uh, I liked when Buffy was trying to figure out the gift for Tara and she said, I saw a really cute sweater at Bloomies, but I think I want that. So, <laughs> yeah, shopping for someone else is so hard. <laughs> uh, I liked when uh, Willow came in and uh, came in uh, to the magic shop and she said, uh, am I late? Did I miss the exposition? Uh, <laughs> I just love any kind of call out to the story to the story structure. Um and this is from the same scene uh, Maya quoted from earlier. The, um, Do you think there'll be a lot of Wiccans there? Heavy Wiccan crowd? Well, that's sort of her deal. Her and Willow are all Wicky, swinging with the Wiccan lifestyle. I just liked um, using Wiki uh, to mean Wiccan instead of Wikipedia. <laughs> this is probably like the last year you could do that. <laughs> uh, all right, uh, let's do the kill count. The kill count. Um, I counted one human was killed by Harmony at April Fool's. Or is that an April Fool? Um, three demon clowns uh, and five brain drains. Only one is seen, but four are mentioned. Oh. All right. Uh, let's do weird noticings and trivia. Weird noticings. Uh, so the opening, uh, we have the return of Miss Kitty Fantastico. Just wanted to notice that we haven't seen that cat since um, the dream episode. Yeah, it's a super cute cat. <laughs> I hadn't, I haven't rewatched that episode, so I couldn't say if you could. It, like, is it the same cat? Are they using one cat in every uh, episode when they film? Does it look like it's aged like three or four more months since last time we saw it? Because actually, it doesn't I look like it's aged at all. It mm. looks like still just as tiny. Mm. weird what's up with that are you guys implying <laughs> it's a magical cat don't do this to me all cats are magical true i mean it lives with witches <laughs> i don't think you can confirm nor deny any um predictions involving that cat yeah. uh. okay going into the bucket here <laughs> all right mike Oh, man, I love this line from Dawn. She's coming in helping Buffy move. And she's like, some of your CDs are my CDs. And Buffy's like, I oh, know, whatever. And like totally brushes it off. And like as a person who had a sister who is younger, this CD blend totally happens. Uh, and like, have you ever bought a CD? So you have a copy of your own that's not your sister's? Yeah, <laughs> totally. Uh, I totally, am also yeah. a person who has a sister who is younger. And yeah, same deal. <laughs> Although up until we literally shared a bedroom until we both moved out for college. So uh, the CD collection was just one 
CD pile in the shared room. Yeah, sharing is tough. <laughs> One time, uh, my brother got really upset about me borrowing a CD, so he wrote his name on it with a knife. And I was like, now your CD is not even going to play later. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> Talk about stabbing yourself in the back. And then the other thing that happens in this scene that like made me like smile a bunch is the Tara is such a nerd in this scene. She like makes a nerdy joke that's a total left field doesn't connect about Tegler and mythic rights and like no one like uh, fucking crickets. The only person that might get it is gone for that mm-hmm. moment. It would have been funny if Willow was there just be like, huh, you know, but it's, uh, wasn't Giles in the room. You think he might have had a. Was or was he Giles doesn't scene? like jokes. Yeah, that's fair. Oh, fair, that's fair, interesting. Fair. Is Giles really that smart? <laughs> or like, yeah, or like is because I assumed that Tara, all the reading she'd been doing was about sort of her own specific condition. So maybe she's sort of gone deep into research on like a subfield that Giles just hasn't had call to look into. Well, I, I don't know if the story will actually bring anything out of this Taglaren stuff if that's like a relevant thing for me to jot down or not. Cause I feel like they abandoned their like magical script ideas pretty quick and they're just like a mess of mythology, but uh, you're all smiling. So Taglarens are important. <laughs> Writing it down. Will it be the midi Clorans of <laughs> <laughs> They're off the scale, man. From the Taglarian mythos. All right. Taglarian. Uh, you got the next one also. Oh, Mike. geez. I'm sorry about this, guys. Hey, so uh, when we get to the hospital, uh, mm-hmm. there's a wonderful changing scene where a doc or a nurse, I'm not clear about his role in the hospital, goes I to change. I think they're just the calling lo- him an intern. Okay. Intern goes to change in the locker room. Uh, Dr. Travis, do you change into your uniform in the locker room at work? Um, or, do you, or do you wait to get to the gym? <laughs> wait to get to the gym, though. It makes no sense. No, you can you can change. Yeah, you're supposed to change in in and out of scrubs at work. Mm-hmm. Oh, so there is like a locker room like this. <clears throat> um, there, yes. Or there's more like changing areas, like you know, single serve bathrooms that mm-hmm. you can like change in and out of. But there are also like locker rooms. They think they they were changed from locker rooms because they probably only had back in the day. They just had one locker room for all the men. I'm sure. And so this locker room looked very high school to me. I didn't again. I haven't rewatched enough episodes recently to be like, this is the same set from the Sunnydale high school that they filmed (laughs) it or whatever. But I was looking hard and it's not the same locker room (laughs) as in Scrubs, but Scrubs uses Lee's locker rooms extensively. So I was waiting for Scrubs to be brought up. I knew that there were locker room changes. This is era appropriate. (laughs) This is era appropriate uh, TV mythos about locker rooms. I don't watch any of these hospital shows, so it's like that was totally. I'm, I'm with my. It was like you a should high start with General Hospital. Set Mike. trigger for that's, me. That's where you need to start with your hospital shows. Start with GH. <laughs> How in depth to hospital shows do you have to be before you can get like Children's Hospital? <laughs> Zero, right? Like that's, that's kind of a rip. Uh, so I just like that the the demon lurking around the hospital, like. Looks like Bozo. And I also think I saw a red balloon floating down the hallway. So I'm like, this is a whole Pennywise thing going on with this guy. Um, And I'd rather that be the case than he just, they just accidentally made a demon that looks like a clown, which also feels like it could have been what happened. Like, 
I did in my just like IMDb researching a little bit yesterday say that this clown does this clownish demon design was one that Joss had apparently a fair amount of influence in because Joss did both write and direct this episode. And apparently this demon was kind of like, I don't know. I mean, I don't know how much the showrunner is telling the makeup artist what to do, but apparently this was like his idea. Make him clownier, clownier. Yeah. <laughs> so I also like, like this is the, probably the same hospital that Derek Kinderstadt was walking around. So I wonder I if like <laughs> Freddie and Pennywise just bumped into each other. I have two hospitals. <laughs> <laughs> they should really, at some point, the Buffy gang should just do a full clean out of the hospital. Yes. <laughs> That's funny. Like, even though the haunted hospital is such a well-known territory, that I don't even think of that as a genre, and it totally is its own genre. Mm-hmm. I just go haunted house, and then oh, it takes place in a hospital. But haunted hospital is its own creepy world. Yeah. <laughs> so, damn y'all, that Spike and Harmony <laughs> sex scene transition is insane. I, I love that. Have seen it before, and I was fooled by it. <laughs> oh man, like everything about the sexually suggestive scene before, where you know Buffy is you know, basically preparing to have an orgasm in her, like, uh, in, in the, in the fight conversation, whatever you call this thing, the yeah. fight foreplay. And then like the finish with, uh, Spike and Harmony together. And like, Harmony's just like, Oh, you sweet little guy. And just the weird, just the goldenness. Cause they have almost the same color hair. The way it's lit in yep. that scene is just amazing. It's, I also like. Have we seen Spike having a duvet in his like crypt <laughs> before? Because I so when I was watching this with, with this with Dennis, um, I also feel like the way they cut into the the what we realize is a daydream fight scene between Buffy and Spike. I thought that it, that it was an. Act, I thought that was actually happening. Um, yeah. Again, I've seen this episode before, but I had forgotten. Um, because I thought, because there's a line that Xander has right before it where he tells Buffy, you should go blow off some steam, probably suggesting you should go train, go punch a punching bag for a while. And I thought, oh, the way she's blowing off steam is going and training with Spike, who I guess they're close enough with now that she would spar with him. Um, and so I, yeah, I assumed that was actually happening. And, uh, and then it cuts to the, and then there's the reveal. And I was like, oh, wait. This was a daydream. I got it. But yeah, yeah no, it was very well done. Because <laughs> you were like, is, have they uh, t- like trained, started training together before? And I was just like, uh, <laughs> just wait a second. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So complete, all the red flags should go up. If a person you're dating doesn't talk about their family, uh, man, just that oh, lovely moment um, where kind of Tara's family gets revealed a little bit oh, and Tara's complete anxiety about that and just they really she really does a great job of the character transition because she's already a really meek person Mm -hmm. and then it feels like a different kind of meek and yeah her stutter comes back which we haven't seen in a while she just suddenly looks down i also totally believe that willow is like selfish enough that she wouldn't have noticed that tara never mentioned her family uh which is mean but right and there's very much the tara's family versus you know, Willow's family, you know, which we'll get into as the theme, right, about friendship versus family. So they're definitely opposed. I was just saying, call, calling your parents, sir. I'm guessing sir or ma'am is kind of a red flag. I mean, I think it's a cultural thing. I'm from California, born and raised. And yeah, I've never cared, called a parental figure or maybe any authority figure, sir or ma'am, ever in my life. So I find it very strange. But I do know it is 
more common in like other parts of the United States. In New Orleans, you were supposed to, which I assume is most of the South, you're definitely as a kid supposed to call every, like everybody misses or mister something. Mm-hmm. Like when you're a kid, you're never supposed to refer, but I think you can call your parents. Yeah, I don't know. The sort of thing definitely speaks to like, yeah, a very specific upbringing. I did well, in my research um, come up with it. Amber Benson. Oh, God, I'm going to forget now. She is from the southern part of the United States. I'm going to forget which state now. Um, but it was uh, one of the states where she mentioned that her grandparents were very religious. And when they learned she was on a witch show, they did not watch it. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, I, I think we're going to talk a little bit about Amy Adams in this episode, mm. but she is like too pretty to be an extra or like a bit <laughs> yeah. character and like they can't really disguise it. And I, I know that's a weird comment, but I know that as a director, you're trying to get like a certain attractiveness for your lead and then other people can't be more attractive. It's just like mm-hmm. when you put together your pack of friends to go and take on the town. Right. And Amy Adams <laughs> is like a little bit too pretty in this one. Okay, everyone's like, I don't know about this pulley. Well, but- no, I, I'm nodding with you because I no, I agree. It's more, I think, that she is, she's blonde and petite in a way that is very similar to Michelle Geller. I mean, their faces are obviously different. Um, but this was another fact that I pulled up via IMDb last night, is that so Michelle, Michelle Geller starred in the movie Cruel Intentions in 2009, and Amy Adams... Or 99. Um, sorry, yeah, 1999. The 1990s. Um, Anyway, I'm the 1900s, the late 1900s. Yes. Yeah, you know, when uh, it was one of the <laughs> earliest films ever filmed. Um, anyway, Amy Adams actually then uh, starred in Cruel Intentions number two, and she replaced Sarah Michelle Geller playing the same character. <laughs> I didn't even know that. I uh, know. For, no one uh, has seen Cruel Intentions two. I don't think I haven't. I've never seen it. I don't know that. It well, was I can think of some great good. actresses that could play uh, Sarah Michelle Geller as well. Um, you know, the actor. Uh, let's see. Um, Mercedes McNabb would be great. Um, <laughs> the actress that plays uh, Charisma Carpenter. Um, the actress that plays uh, Kate on Angel. Um, mm. The actress that plays uh, Darla on Angel and Buffy. <laughs> um, basically every blonde female character that's appeared on Buffy. Ugh, but that's amazing. What yeah, amazing I find. know. I had no idea about this. It was funny, too, because I think. I would bet that when I first saw this Buffy episode, I would bet that I had not seen Amy Adams in anything yeah. else yet. And then when I watched it the second time, I was like, oh, shit, that's Amy Adams. And it was like really hard to not just see her and see Amy Adams every time. Um, and I also did just glance into Amy Adams's uh, sort of IMDb credits. She had acted. She has one acting credit listed from the year before this episode was filmed and then nine credits listed in the year 2000, the year this was filmed. And then just like a shit ton of things after that. So. This was really quite mu- very much at the beginning of her career. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, on the other podcast, the one I do with Yoder, we watched Cruel Intentions because oh, nice. it was on Netflix and we were going to watch for a minute. Netflix had like all the Cruel Intentions. So we're like, mm-hmm. we'll watch all of them. But before we could, they got taken down. Yeah. So I we were maybe a month away from finding out that Amy Adams was in Cruel <laughs> Intentions, too. Well, but you were it, meant to know this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> This fact was going to come into your life somehow. <laughs> Thank you, Maya. <laughs> Being the, the agent of Amy Adams' destiny. Apparently. <laughs> oh, Riley's such a weird hot and cold character. Like, he just, like, thinks Buffy's keeping things from him, so he'll, he just runs off. Like, he literally just runs out of the house. Like, he doesn't try to stay and 
figure out what Buffy's not telling him. And he's still like, he's still got to be like the alpha, alpha male in the relationship. And like, he's still got to be in control. I mean, you know, he's, he was never a real teaching assistant or TA. He's always, always been a soldier, but I guess he asked too many questions. I don't know. But it's like, why, why just leave in the middle part of your conversation? <laughs> I don't know. Just, I actually didn't hate that as a way to handle this conflict. Cause I, what, how I read it was that he saw that Buffy was keeping something secret and it has enough experience with Buffy now that you cannot force her to share something if she's not ready. And he was kind of like, well, I mean, if you want to tell me, I want to hear it, but I'm not going to argue with about it. I'm not going to try to guilt you or anything about it. So like, just so you know, I'm an ear to hear when you're ready, but I'm not going to like hang around and be lied to. Yeah. Yeah. I actually kind of like that. He, he, he leaves, he stomps off, but he's not like, I'm leaving on my terms. He's very specifically like, I'm leaving on your terms. Yeah. I will come running when you want to talk to me. <laughs> like, But I guess like, why do you have to leave? Because she wasn't sharing any more info, right? But they couldn't watch a movie. Like it just, it like it just didn't make it. It felt like he was waiting for her to come home. I'm trying to remember this. If like he was waiting for her to come home, like was he just like tired? Like I would have like been like, I just want to go to bed in my own bed or something. They'd be like, oh, okay, then he leaves. But it didn't make any sense for him just to like leave the house. I think he was babysitting uh, Dawn slash sort of watching Joy slash yeah. watching the house while Buffy couldn't be there. And I he, always, yeah. yeah, he did observe Buffy being a little crazy with the like. I don't like you hanging around people that short. Like he knows something's up and he's like not getting any communication <laughs> yeah. about it. I think, I mean, it's cool. Like Riley's achieved almost Oz level cool about relationships. Yeah. Like I can think of Oz doing something like this, yeah. like where yep. he's, he would just tell Willow like, cool. Sounds like you're not ready to connect. Talk to you in a week or whatever it would be. Right. You know, mm -hmm. or just slip off. All right. Well, that's, that's too bad. Willow. Like it's, it's pretty rad. I, I think it's a great move. And I'm I'm jealous I can't do that. I'm like, no, let's talk about it until uh, we're, we hate each other. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, Dennis and I watched this together. And, and there's a scene shortly after this. I think Riley goes to Willie's bar, which is interesting that he's hanging out there now. Um, and he uh, gets hit on by a woman who says she's named Sandy. And Dennis was like, I'm pretty sure that's um, a vampire that will that um, vampire Willow bought a bit in. Um, doppelganger land and i did look that up online and he was correct yeah this is a <laughs> this is a scooby gang casualty yeah <laughs> vampire wouldn't be walking around if it wasn't for willow well riley calling out that vampire at the bar with i don't go out with vampires is basically the coolest thing riley has ever done <laughs> like that scene i had no idea how it was going to play because i thought he might actually be interested in someone else why is he going to a bar and drinking alone like yeah. there's so many like trigger signs here yeah. for him to not be cool and then for him to be like i don't go with vampires like i've called her out her whole game you know it was great i that was an i like i got on riley's corner and i man the show is making me like riley but i know better <laughs> But man, that's that a really, a really great couple of Riley scenes, like to yeah. build that character. Uh, I, like now that Angel, now that on Angel, they've introduced uh, the Demon Karaoke Bar Caritas. Like Willie's is just extra. Willie's place is just extra lame. Yeah. Like I always wanted Willie's to be more of like we're monsters and humans mingle. And it's like about yeah. like cultural thing. exchange and yeah. actual interesting, fun conversations. And maybe there's like, yeah, two people who fight outside everywhere except for in the bar. The bar is sacred <laughs> and this is where we play checkers or whatever it is. Like, yeah. Yeah. And Angel finally does it. So um, 
I just think like Willie's was like the prototype for like this like cool intermixing bar and they didn't get it quite right because um, they also needed Willie's to be a place Buffy could go to punch people to get information. Yeah. And it turns out that going getting information by singing is much better. Uh, so uh, when Willow is like, we'll be demon hunters to Tara to try to get her to come to the thing. I'm just like so offensive to demon identifying people, Willow. Come on. I know. And now we have Anya standing up for demon rights, like in the Scooby gang. And like, you know, her new message that some demons are, you know, helpful members of society. You'd think that they they need to start working the word like demon out of their vocabulary, the way that all of us have had to work various other ableist words out of our vocabularies. Exactly. Come on. It's a, this is 2001. Do better. <laughs> Do better. This isn't the 90s anymore, Willow. Um, and Tara being like. Not everything is about your friends is like very real, even if she's using that to like cover up like her other stuff. But like, you know, they're those friends are in a very codependent relationship. And it's like, you know, sometimes shit isn't about your friends. Well, we get a glimpse of our wonderful blonde demon character kind of behind the scenes beating up the hospital demon. Uh, well, with him kind of ca- captured in the coat rack, which is freaking rad. And like, it's such an amazing character scene. She gets a lot of weird solo work. Like, I'm I'm surprised how long her monologues are just in general. Like, anytime she has, like, she's now had, like, two kind of kidnapping scenarios where it's, like, straight up, she gets to monologue about whatever she feels like. And it's a really fun thing. And I don't think there's a lot of examples of this. And maybe I'm just misunderstanding how scenes work. Because mostly, like, there's a bad guy who works with another bad guy. And, like, they, they kind of work against each other or with each other. Yeah, there's this. nobody to, to yes and she doesn't need it. <laughs> no, and she doesn't. And it's awesome. Like there's like little grunts coming from this demon and she's totally interpreting what their grunts are is like, oh, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, you're right. Or whatever kind of bogusness. But there's so much weird lore dropped in this thing. Like the fact that her name, we don't know, is heavenly. So I have a prediction about this. But basically, I think that she might be from heaven. But we'll get to that because like. She's also like slumming it. She can't tell her friends about this Slayer kind of nonsense. Like it's just such a fun, weird place. And you all know what happens and who this character is. And I don't. Right. So like right now, this is like the peak interest in this character Mm -hmm. because they could go any damn direction with it. And I love the idea of her being from heaven is an angel and like needs to get back. And so that means Dawn is evil or some kind. Um, And so anyway, those are all my predictions. But like this, that scene was like explosive for me. As a viewer who is trying to figure this show out, because it was like, oh, what the, all this stuff, some information. I still don't know this character's name. But uh, anyway, it's great. Yeah, I'm actually surprised they haven't dropped the character's name yet. Uh, I don't remember it being a mystery, but these things go. Uh, uh, Harmony says that she killed the clerk at April Fool's. Uh, and that's, uh, I just wanted to call out, that's the prom dress shop that Cordelia worked at in season three. Um, so that could have been Cordelia, uh, but it's just oh, interesting because no. it's like second Cordelia mentioned this week and we kind of haven't talked about her in a while. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yes. Doing spells on your friends is not cool. <laughs> like this is it's just so crazy that um, that Tara did that spell that she, for Buffy and the gang not to be able to see demons and, you know, totally Buffy totally could have died. Like It's one of those. They all could have died. Yeah. Yeah. It's just all like, of them. How did the demons never do this spell on Buffy before? It's <laughs> it's like such an obvious 
thing. Like, I'm sure there's a spell for Buffy not to be able to see vampires. Like, <laughs> this is just kind of like, <laughs> kind of breaks things a little bit. But it's, you know, it's... And they all forgive Tara really quickly, which I'm really surprised. Well... <laughs> because I think if Anya had done this, Anya would have been out on that street. Like, Buffy would not have forgiven Anya. <laughs> but I think if Xander had done it, everybody would be like, ah, Xander. Wah, wah. <laughs> yeah, it's... Well, there's been... I mean, there have been a few times that people have done spells on the gang before. I mean, you could say that Anya has already cast a spell on the group, which was when she tried to get back her vengeance demon powers. And that was the whole episode of that with, um, with Bam- yeah, that's yeah. that whole episode. And Xander has also cast spells that have affected the whole group. So this is, I think part of why they're willing to forgive is they're like, this isn't actually not the first time this has happened to them. <laughs> In fact, they're probably like, now you're officially part of the group. Yeah, I was going to say, you made a <laughs> big magical fuck up. Welcome to the group. Oh, that's true. Right. You do have to be a fuck up to be a part of the Spoobies. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is a world breaking spell to me, too, though, because it's like such a perfect spell to cast at any time. Uh, it's like kind of like the, you know, the inst whatever, the first Slayer spell where it's just like too big. And like this one seems even simpler, though. This feels like just a magician's like hoodwink or a trick. But uh, really, really lovely. Uh, so when Tara's blood kin, uh, you know, after the confrontation and everything and Spike punches Tara, they would have no idea why Spike punched her. Yeah, That would just seemed insane. And also this entire like it's a good emotional like it's a dramatic ending and everything. But the entire thing is happening with a dead clown on the ground. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so why, why does Spike have to punch her in the face? He could just punch her on the arm, like giving her, her what would be a, a slug bug, you know? Yeah. <laughs> he could probably even have like pinched her flicked hard her ear. on the, yeah, on the upper her. arm or something. You know, it was very, yeah, it was very dramatic. And yeah, it does... It does seem weird that then, yeah, her father is being like, she's like, no, I want to stay with these friends who are physically abusive to me. That's fine. Like, we're, yeah, we're going to treat Tara right and stuff, but we are going to punch her in the face. So. Can they get more characters in this magic shop, though? I mean, literally, like, this is this is why they moved. They needed a warehouse to put all these characters in. Oh, my gosh. I was so happy to see this set again. This is the first episode that I've rewatched um, that, that where we're back to the magic shop. And I was just like, oh, I l- love the magic shop. Uh, I was so looking forward to when we finally met this location. I even remember there was an episode I listened to back from season four, Michael, where you predicted the gang will get a new secret hideout. And when I heard that at home, I was just like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. we gave him those points. A lot of false starts. <laughs> Yeah, it was just Giles' apartment for a whole year. It was. And it's like, this is a this is a very big upgrade. Yeah, they finally get a danger room. Um, I think I have the last note here, which says I just looked up various. I was just trying to see what people had to say about Tara without any spoilers because it's been a long time. But like, so I found that Tara had been ranked um, in their AfterEllen.com had made a list of the 50 best lesbian and bisexual characters back in 2010. So 10 years about after this episode aired and Willow had ranked at number seven on this list. And Tara had been at number 15, which I think are both pretty high considering um, that the show was 10 years old at that point. Um, Tara also got ranked 
uh, very well on a list called Best Fictional Witches. Um, also high ranking on Best Fictional LGBTQ Role Models. Best Introverted TV Characters, um, which I <laughs> appreciated. Um, did pretty well also on just an overall Best Joss Whedon Characters list. And was ranked number one of Best Fictional Characters Named Tara on Ranker.com. <laughs> 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 yeah what do you recall what other terras there were you know i actually didn't look um partly because like i said i don't actually watch that much tv so i wasn't sure I, that i would honestly even know who any of the other people were <laughs> um, but you can easily look it up if you just look up ranker.com and search tara mcclay except not you michael anyone else can do this um oh. and find out too dangerous for michael yeah too dangerous for you <laughs> All That's right, crazy uh, that she's still so high on that list for oh yeah for LGBTQ role models I, for introvert I totally get I haven't seen a character <laughs> this introverted forever um I would put her as number you know one for that but the uh, that's interesting mm-hmm. yeah no she this this role has won her a long lasting love in like just queer media fans um, but particularly on like like lesbian and queer women oriented like websites like Otto Straddle still loves Willow and Tara after <laughs> Ellen loves Willow and Tara um, Amber Benson not just the character but the actress still appears on many like lesbian like hottest TV women lists and stuff it's definitely it is people have not forgotten about this in the queer community uh, these characters are still absolutely beloved cool. that's great mm-hmm. <laughs> all right let's uh, let's do some questions Questions for the group. And uh, Maya, it looks like you, you have all the questions this week. Oh, do I have all the questions? <laughs> oh, um, great. Um, so I remember, I think it was in the last episode that I was on. And if not, it was an episode I listened to. Um, Michael mentioned that Tara seemed so, yeah, so meek, so mousy. I think it might have been we were talking about whether Willow and Tara were having off-screen uh, makeout sessions or not. Um, and I was just wondering if your feelings about Tara have changed after seeing where she came from and her family and kind of um, whether some of her maybe meekness is, is recast a little bit after this episode. Well, they definitely introduced some good character reasons for Tara to behave the way that she does, which I thought were great because she's very much like in, in recovery from mm-hmm. living in you know, they allude to how dominated she was in that situation. And we don't really know the whole picture unless they'll go into it later. But it's a really creepy, scary situation where she's considered as a, a demon. Right. Of course, we know she's not a demon. She was just treated like a demon by her family or they cast her as a demon, which is even more messed up. So that's like she's totally like living that Salem witchcraft, like mm-hmm. Salem lifestyle at home in like a home, uh, you know, prison of some kind so her getting out is a bigger deal um and then she's like kind of ready to run (laughs) at any given moment um it's very it's very sweet but i think we talked you know it was mentioned a little about like this codependency and then also willow's kind of really like naiveness about tara like not even maybe listening very very much to tara and so i think it like it makes their relationship a lot more complicated Mm -hmm. uh and in that, you know, Tara has a lot more kind of going on and she's a lot, not as, uh, maybe naive and meek. She's meek for a reason. Right. And I don't, I don't know if I assume Tara and Willow will stay together after this. 
situation because that was a lot of also for Terra to hide from Willow. Yeah. Sorry, I'm like getting into plot speculation, which is not what this question's about. But yes, my feelings have changed. This was a big episode for her. And I I don't know if the, you know, we're we're friends versus family thing is deserved at the end. Mm. Like it didn't it felt a little false to me because they hadn't really earned her friendship. Um, They they earn it all at once with a dramatic move. But like they're not invested in her friendship before. They didn't even know what to get her. And then to just make that complete transition to now you're part of the gang, like. I don't buy it and I don't like that. Mm. I would like them to work a little harder <clears throat> at their friendship than to just get it. So like that, like stand up for your friends thing. Like, yeah, they're going through the motions that make sense for, you know, to be emotionally supportive, but it didn't feel like they deserved. They didn't deserve to get her for that. I think it would have made more sense for her to leave the show this episode for her mm. to run off and like start her own thing. Give Willow a chance to join her and then take off versus be defended by this group of people. Um, who, yeah, like, are emotionally and physically abusive to her. So, I mean, she's like, it feels like her relationship with Willow is abusive, less abusive than her relationship with her dad, but somewhat abusive there, too, because Willow's, like, insistent that these are her real friends and this group of people who also don't care about her. Um, anyway, <laughs> and then yeah. she rescues them. Like, she's totally, like, rescued the Scooby gang a handful of times now. So... I will. Uh, I just wanted to point the the show's been building these red herrings about Tara being like potentially evil or a demon and stuff, and um, it's been kind of funny to watch because Mike's you've been like totally tuning it out, and you've been like, because your your big thing is like Tara's a good witch and Will's an evil witch, right? That's what you keep yeah. bringing up. But like the whole like spell they bring they re mention in this one about the demon finding spell that Tara purposely uh, broke, um, like you didn't even notice that scene. You didn't like view that as a clue to anything. So it was like, like you were already seeing beyond this episode. Uh. <laughs> well, this show is full of lies about characters. <laughs> but I don't know. What do you think though? Do you think it's deserved? And you know, to turn it on you. Do you think that that ending is deserved and that they're, that they deserve to have friend Tara as a friend and that that emotionally makes sense at the end of the episode? Um, I agree with you that it maybe carries less weight than it could have if they had actually been able to be to if they'd had a really like a brainstorm earlier about like, oh, wait, I know the perfect gift to give Tara. And there had been a moment of being like, wait, no, we do actually know her. She would love a book of how to make homemade cat toys or like, I don't know, just like something. Um, and if they had that sort of a little like realization moment before the defending her against her family moment, I think that it would have carried more weight. Um, but I also think that like, especially the moment that Buffy steps up to defend Tara, it was just such a Buffy thing to do. Like she would never not defend somebody who I think in front of her was being threatened. And so I do feel like it almost was a little bit like it almost was a little bit like Buffy would have done this for anyone. Anyone who was being threatened by their family, Buffy would have um, jumped and and in the way of. Um, and it carries more weight because, um, you know, because she's like, you know, no, Tara's our friend. But it, I do think that it signaled like a shift in the group from being like, um, Tara is like Willow's plus one to, oh, no, Tara is one of us. Yeah. I also think it, it's an important Don moment. Cause, yeah. cause yeah. Don's also one of the people who stands up and like, like, uh, mm -hmm. from what we've seen from the beginning of this season is like Don really connects with Tara, like pr yeah. probably quicker than anybody else did. Um, so I thought that was nice. And, uh, it, and then it provided a cute sister moment between Buffy and, and Don and for Buffy didn't like 
say anything to like lessen Dawn's willingness to fight. Like she wasn't like, yeah, she'll fight too. But like, I'm the one who can like punch down a wall. Like, you know what I mean? She was just like, she's a hair puller. And which yeah. um, I haven't gone into this very much in this episode, but I, I love Dawn. <laughs> um, she is one of my favorite characters. Um, and I think a lot of it is that I, like I mentioned earlier, I have a younger sister and there are a lot of things about Dawn that remind me of my sister when my sister was the same age. So like around, you know, like that sort of 12, 13, uh, my sister also had very long hair and was sort of like grew tall and thin in sort of like a, a gawky way and wore a lot of pastels and like choker necklaces too. So I think I just look at Dawn and I'm like, ah, oh, it's like my sister in junior high. I do not share those feelings about Dawn right now. <laughs> and I think if for story reasons, because I just want some resolution on this like kind of yeah. hanging over Dawn's head that she is like may not be real. And like, while well, she's a physical manifestation. I mean, they're just playing around so much with her. I, yeah. I, I get the sister vibes from her and I like those, but I can't enjoy that. Because you can't I'm be like, invested yet. Yeah. Well, Cause it's like, she's so disposable right now. And like my, she's a key. Does that mean they open up her body and like physically, you know, like, you know, sacrifice her or something like, I have no idea what they're planning, but I feel like they want to stay emotionally invested in her. So they won't do that. But mm. you know, who knows? But I'm, I'm glad you're there's a Dawn defender. That's the first yes. time I've heard anybody go out of their way to talk up Dawn. I really like Dawn. Um, so I had another question for the group. I was just wondering, is there a time in your life that you have stood up for yourself, kind of the way Tara stands up for herself at the end of this episode and tells her dad to get out that you can think back on and easily remember or like a moment where you're proud, sort of looking back at your younger self, like, I'm glad I said that. Like, that was like took a little bit of guts and I did it. I don't know if anyone has a memory that's related to that. Anyone want to go? Mm. <laughs> I have regrets. Oh, no. <laughs> I knew I knew this was kind of like a big and emotionally question. I actually didn't take time to either sit down and think up a really poignant answer for myself either. Um, I just wasn't sure if there was like a moment in somebody's life that was like, oh, yes, that's immediately I remember. Well, Mike will remember this. Because uh, it was so awkward. And I think he probably remembers it less awkward than me. I think, uh, like, you remember we were having, we were, I think we were having lunch or dinner with some of my, some of my friends in Toledo. You'd, like, visit, visited me, right? And then we got into some really big argument about, uh, like, health care. Do you remember this? About Obamacare, I think. No, it was, it was pre-Obamacare. And I walked out of the restaurant and left you in there. Do you remember this? <laughs> Wow. You left, Trev, you left Mike with your friends. To hold and you're his upset own in a with Riley for leaving in this episode? What the fuck, man? I think, wasn't this you, Mike? And then you, like, you came out and were like, oh, I thought you were coming back in. Was this not you, Mike? I could have sworn this was you. This is my like false memory. I mean, talk about me not knowing my memory. Do you remember this at all? What other friends were there? <laughs> I'm not trying to gaslight you. This could have happened, but I don't, I, I don't. You don't remember? Uh, my, my relationship with good. you, I would allow you to walk out at any time if you had a thing or like a frustration with things. So I'm not like, I'm not against Travis doing that sort of thing. I just, I am confused by this memory though. Well, I thought you were there and then uh, you were like, realized I wasn't coming. Well, okay. Wow, I don't know. I don't know who. What's more embarrassing now, me not remembering the details of this. But anyways, there was a time in my life when I walked out of some people 
having dinner and I did not come back into the restaurant. And uh, that was, in retrospect, insane. I don't know. I think you stood up for yourself. I'm proud of you. I'm not proud of you for abandoning a friend, but I'm proud of you for standing up for your well, morals. Well, that friend did come out eventually. I That's guess maybe good. it wasn't Mike. I have no idea who it was then. Uh, I wasn't offended by it if it was me, so you're good. <laughs> I, didn't, I wasn't emotionally scarred by you walking out. It made sense. You did the right thing. No, no, you weren't, you weren't either. You just thought it was kind of like insane, like hilarious. Because who does that? You know, the pre-internet age before we tweeted our feelings, you know, sometimes people did weird shit and it was okay. I feel uh, like I, I, that might have been me. Was that you, Dennis? <laughs> I can't remember who it was. I, remember, like... I don't remember that specific thing, but I remember having a very intense conversation with your friends in Toledo one time. And then like being on the highway with you afterwards and being like, that was insane. Um, <laughs> was but I don't remember what the subject was about. I, so well, healthcare could I have mean, been it. I mean, it felt like we had a lot of those. Into, I mean, yeah, I don't know. What I think it, I only visited you in Toledo like once, twice. Yeah, once or twice. It was very, very When rare. I would visit my parents in Michigan, I would come yeah. see you. Um, uh, but I, I, <laughs> I think you would have remembered this exact scene because it was so strange. Oh man, that means there's a there's that means there's like an extra ghost person. I wasn't even worried about thinking that I was insane out there. Who's gonna like you know come out of the woodwork and be like, no, no, it was me who you left in that restaurant, you dork. Well, if you're listening and you're Travis's friend and this happened to you, maybe don't mention it. Sounds like he's traumatized. Uh, I mean, I could ask these friends I stormed out on, but I, yeah, I think that would be more embarrassing. Ask them who was there. No. But did you storm out on them a lot? Was that a tactic that you used? No. I mean, definitely not. They were my friends. <laughs> but apparently I was very emotional or something. When about healthcare? Happened. Well, I mean, you're studying medicine, right? So I'm sure like everyone has different opinions about how they're going to get paid and what that means. So, I mean, it seems like a, that's a good issue to get heated about in, you know, during that environment. Well, I could... I can give you the details of why they're totally wrong and I was totally right. But that's neither here nor there, I guess. Well, I'm going to be mysterious and say I have a really good one, but I can't share it. Okay, mm. fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> I can share um, it off mic, but I am uncomfortable sharing it in this environment. Cool, cool. Fair enough. Um, I just, I have thought of one. It wasn't like a really big one. I remember that when I was about 16 or 17, I did call, I did call out one of my uncles for using the word gay to mean lame um and well maybe i was older maybe i was 18 i don't know there wasn't the thing is is it wasn't a very high stakes environment because this is an uncle of mine who's sort of like a goofball doofusy type uncle he's not like a scary shouty uncle um and and i like i could tell he used the word because probably because he grew up in socal in like the 70s when it was very it was just like saying hella or dude or man it was just a word that almost became like a verbal tick um, but he did use it in front of me and I was, you know, uh, out and proud baby gay in college. And I did say to him, I think I turned, he said it over dinner or something. Like, and I think I turned to him and said, I hope by that you mean happy or awesome, which are what gay are or something like that. <laughs> um, and I think it was, I don't even think it made much of a stir because I was like this all the time at that time. And I think my dad just kind of like gave me like an eye raise, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> What a wonderful day it will be when gay can mean happy again. What a wonderful day. 
Gosh, it yeah. is crazy to go back at that stuff because like we've been getting into it over some words as well. Mm-hmm. Um, that show up just in Buffy and it's only 20 years and it's, it's crazy. Like that's the culture that we all lived in. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's, I like how you set that up as a low stakes confrontation. That was very cool. <laughs> uh, my final question was just about, uh, Tara's college tuition. Um, <laughs> she's just had a break with her family. Does anyone think her, her dad was actually paying her any of her college tuition was no she way. just taking this all out on loans is she gonna have so many student loans at the end of her college time she's t- totally doing this on loans yeah. i mean th- there was a very uh blatant timeline thing where tara was a- is about to turn 20 this is her 20th birthday and her dad's like we have supported you for 18 years and it's like <laughs> yeah that's an entire year you didn't support her <laughs> Yeah, the past 12 months, one presumes, when she left to go to college. Yeah, presumably she, it yeah. wasn't like that age of 13. Yeah, from 13 to 14, we just sort of didn't feed you for a year. <laughs> We're very impressed you survived. So yeah, I think she's totally drowning in student loans. And she's probably like the only of the Scoobies who is. I think the rest uh, are going to paid for. Well, I mean, Xander's just going to skip the question. Yeah, I buy that. Yeah, I don't. I bet they've all got it taken care of, especially, well, obviously, Riley, government loans. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> mm. All right. I think that's questions for the group. Uh, why don't we do themes and deep stuff? Deep stuff. Well, I mean, the major theme of this episode is in the title. It's called Family. It's about family. Um, that's one of those ones where it's really you can you can judge the book by the cover. Um, but uh, to go into that a little bit more uh, nuancedly or deeply, it's interesting to me that like so many stories about um, queer people coming out, especially from, I would say, the t- early 2000s. Um, the story is like the queer person comes out and is then rejected by their family and sometimes even kicked out of the family home and is then has to, you know, whatever, figure out another living situation. So it's interesting to me that Tara's story is sort of a reversal of that, where the family is like, no, you have to come back to the family home. You are not allowed to live outside and be yourself. Um, but it's still in the end, the conclusion of it is Tara breaks with her family and stays with her chosen family, her friends instead, which is also the happy sort of ending of many queer kid kicked out by their birth family is they find or make a new family of other community. Um, so I thought it was just like interesting that they chose that as like a writing choice. I actually like that the fact that uh, Tara being like a lesbian wasn't really part of this episode like her dad didn't be like you're doing all this witch stuff and you have a girlfriend like that's also bad like that was really not the issue it was about yeah. them being well that's like, still part of the subtext i mean it there's is, definitely it is. it's de- it's heavily part of the subtext but it, it meant that this episode you didn't really have to put say a homophobia trigger warning on it um which i appreciated um and yeah, I mean, it seemed like her dad and brother just wanted her to come home and basically be a domestic servant yeah. um you know, which is very shitty in its own right, but um, it made it kind of like its own brand of shitty. Um, well, I would say like definitely tapping into queer story archetypes, but like having its own spin on it. Thank you. Yeah, that's how I felt. 
Um, and then I also, and I mentioned this to Dennis after we watched it, is like, I think that the theme of shitty men trying to control women, um, I think that hits just as hard in 2019 um, as the first time I watched this episode, probably for the first time in 2009, I would say maybe about 10 years ago. And I remember being like, they're awful at the time. But now I'm like, oh, no, they are very, very bad. Um, so I don't know. I think that the the that emotional part of this episode is not faded with time at all. Um, and I still think it's, I think it's really brave of Tara when she says, dad, just go. It's like the first time in the episode, she doesn't refer to him as sir. Um, it's like the first time she contradicts pretty much anything he has to say. And I think that in a show where so many people, um, exhibit physical bravery and, um, like no fear in the face of injury, even death, um, that this is a really quietly brave moment. And, um, I really do think, I mean, this is the first Tara focused episode that we've had. And I think it, it that I like that Tara gets to um, have this moment of bravery, um, but that kind of isn't about fighting or isn't about magic. It's just about standing up for herself because that's her that's her weak. That's her kryptonite. That's her weakness. That's what terrifies her is speaking up like probably conflict, you know, contradicting someone standing up for herself. Like those are that's those are the battles that she has to fight. Yeah, I like that as this we're on season five. So as this show progresses, its battles can get more subtle and it can yes. like it doesn't always have to be about physical manifestations of things. And it doesn't have to lose that metaphor also because it's still talking about living the Wiccan lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And it's still doing this magic thing, but it's not um, like if this was a season one episode, it would have been like Tara is being physically abused. Right. Yeah. Um, and they didn't bring that into this. Um, instead, she's just being physically abused by Spike. Uh, so it's like the metaphor the metaphor can mature along with the show as the characters get older and their world becomes less black and white um like it doesn't like i don't know yeah i agree with you i i liked that and yeah the the fight scene is uh, you know against these demons instead and then but like that's that's fight scene is not the emotional fight scene the emotional fight scene is versus tara's family um and also i think the moment that tara chooses to reverse the spell that she's cast when she's like oh no i've made a mistake like i did something really selfish i wanted to just do the spell to protect myself but i've actually caused way more damage than i had previously considered because i did not think the consequences through well at all um and her choice to be like oh wait i have to reverse the spell even if it means that i am revealed to my friends and then she even says to willow at the very end i didn't know if you would still want to be with me after seeing what my family is like um which is you know that's clearly reveals like a huge fear like that's why she has not said anything about her family more relevant in 2019 than we could have possibly imagined. Yes, unfortunately. In 2000. For totally different reasons, of course. Or actually very similar reasons, it feels, actually. Um, and then my final note in the themes is just birthdays on this TV show are rough. <laughs> if it's your birthday, watch out. Um, yeah, like most major life events on this show. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but Buffy's yeah, at least this isn't one of Buffy's are, birthdays. Are <laughs> almost, almost across the board, I believe. Pretty, pretty terrible. I don't know. I can't. I can't recall if we've had other people's like birthdays that have been had special note. But yeah, and I did also research. People were trying to guess the actual date of Tara's birthday based on like the airing of this episode. That they believe this episode aired in November of two thousand. 
Um, and then, but then on something like the Buffy wiki or something, it does say that her birthday was an, it was officially stated in a later episode. Hopefully, this isn't a spoiler as October sixteenth. So that's ah. we're on the fifteenth if it's the day before Tara's birthday here. Cool, cool, mm-hmm. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> All right, that's been deep. Uh, let's do uh, recommendations. Recommendations. Uh, Maya, why don't you start us off again? Me again? Okay, so um, I wanted to recommend a YouTube web series. It is called Self Obsessed. I am so fucked. Hey, what's going on? I'm canceled. Um, it was written and directed and starred in by uh, actually a queer cartoonist named Cena Grace. And it is a show he made about his own life. So he stars as himself. Um, he also, IRL, his best friend is Amber Benson. Um, they met in L.A. I think they collaborated on a comic book together that she wrote and he um, illustrated. Because Tara, uh, the Amber Benson has gone on to do a lot of writing. She's written a whole... I've not read them, but a decently well-reviewed um, fantasy series. And I know she's done some TV writing as well. Um, anyway, so if you want to see uh, what Amber Benson was sort of like up to and what her life was like in, I think it was, this show was filmed in 2016. Um, so again, I'm recommending this all people who are not Michael. Um, anyway, uh uh, really? Can I, should I not watch it? Oh, you should. You should not watch it. Um, I don't. I Just can't, casual Buffy's. I can't remember <laughs> if there are Buffy spoilers in it, but it does. Like there is an episode where Cena and Amber Benson both are tabling at a convention, and Buffy oh, fans it. keep coming to Amber Benson's table. And she has like, here's like my fantasy series, and like here's this graphic novel I worked on, and. They, people only want to talk about Tara and Willow. That's like the only thing. And so it kind of just shows. So there, I don't remember if there's a spoiler there, but there might be. So just wait. Um, anyway, it's really fun. It's all for free on YouTube. I don't I think they're only about maybe 10 or 12 episodes that are not, not very long. I want to say they're like maybe 10 to 15 minutes a piece. Um, so it's just like a fun friend project that Amber Benson did later that has some Buffy references. So yeah, that's my recommendation. Cool. Uh, I'm going to recommend uh, the HBO series Sharp Objects. What if after you die, part of you goes to heaven, part of you stays here? Because it's got Amy Adams and the showrunner mm. is Marty Noxon. Um, and it's got definite heavy themes of family. Um, so perfect for this episode. And then my other movie recs are based on like movies where the parents super lie to the kids and it creates disturbing kids so the british i mean sorry the australian crazy ass movie called bad boy bubby what the fuck (laughs) the kids completely crackers you're a weirdo uh the setup is like this dude is 35 and he's lived in one room his whole life because his mom told him that the outside world is poison and um (laughs) he eventually escapes and it's like this like psychotic surreal version of being there uh, for the rest of the movie where this guy like is just insane, but he like somehow like succeeds at everything the same way. Like uh, Peter Sellers character doesn't being there, but he becomes like, like this famous artist of disturbing <laughs> uh, cinema. Um, and then I'm going to recommend uh, the Greek movie dog tooth, which has a similar setup. It's like this family, 
that has three adult kids that they have never let outside the compound and they say um, say that the outside world is super dangerous mm-hmm. and they can't leave until their dog tooth falls out. Um, so it's like them trapped in this crazy world and there's like crazy like there's like disturbing incest that happens and people like their only understanding of the outside world is like they're terrified of a cat that comes in and they have like one Hollywood movie that they've been able to watch. Um, so those are my main wrecks. I was also like, uh, I mean, the village sets uh, uh, fits this theme also. But I mean, everybody's seen the village. Everybody's already got their opinions about the village. M. Night Shyamalan. I haven't seen it. <laughs> if you haven't seen it, you don't have to. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> All right. Uh, so John isn't here to do predictions, so we're not going to do the roundup. But Mike, why don't you just give us your predictions? Virgin Predictions. Sure, this is just for, you know, your your viewing, listening pleasure. Uh, I'm going to do some predictions here. Now, normally, yeah, John would calculate up the points and stuff. So I predict this. I just do five predictions now, and I have a super prediction. So the super prediction is super predictions worth five times a regular prediction. So first prediction, Amy Adams' character will return. She's great. Why not? Let's have her back. Uh, second prediction here, Buffy will tell Riley about Dawn. She's got to. Riley's asked him for the information. She didn't give it to him. She can share that stuff with him. Uh, Scoobies will know what to buy Tara on her next birthday. This will get sorted. And I know from, I mean, not really spoilers, but I know from uh, Maya being on the show that Tara will have another birthday <laughs> or that uh, we'll know her birthday. So I'm pretty confident that they'll know what to get her next time. Uh, there are going to be no more invisible monster spells. That is too potent. Can't do that. And then my final super prediction, uh, the blonde demon is from heaven. Boom! Super prediction, five times, five X. Boom, 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 boom. That one's from heaven. I'm so excited to see how these super predictions play out. I just listened to, I think, the first episode um, that you that John sort of debuted this concept. Um and uh, I can't wait. <laughs> oh, good. I'm glad. Uh, yeah, we need to do something. I think the season by season prediction thing is a smart move from the overall, you know, 60, 50 percent just going to yeah. go lower and lower time. I, I think it's good, too, because I, I feel like when you make the predictions, even before the this sort of super prediction concept, you would talk about being like somewhere like, oh, I'm not quite sure about this, but I'm going to say it where others were like, I'm 100 percent. So I feel like you were already kind of ranking your predictions in terms of most predicty, slightly less predicty. So I think just, you know, codifying the rules around that is uh, I think it'll I as a listener appreciate it. <laughs> I can't wait nice. for them to reveal that heaven is a real place. I think oh that would be God. fantastic. I feel like that should be a separate prediction. Heaven is a real place on in the Buffy universe. Heaven is a place on Earth. I did not say that. <laughs> Heaven Do is not confuse a, the language. Heaven what is if a place. God was one of us? Oh my God. Please stop. Please stop. I don't want to do that. <laughs> Sorry. You do this stuff to try and augment the language, then you turn it against me. So later in careful. the Buffy episode, someone will pick up that book that kid wrote, Heaven is for real. We'll see it on screen. <laughs> awesome. Uh Maya, 
you don't by any chance have a new book coming out, do you? I do. Or it will have already come out by the time this aired. Who knows? Uh, yes, my book, which I, I mentioned in my last uh, guest appearance, um, Gender Queer, a Memoir, will be available in comic book stores on May 15th, 2019, yeah. and in regular bookstores if they have been wise enough to carry it on May 28th, uh, 2019. Um, I'm very excited about it. Um, if you live in the Bay Area, California, I'm doing a lot of book release events. And then I will also be at BookCon and Books Expo in New York City from May. Oh, gosh, I think it's the mm, 28th to June 2nd. Google it. Anyway, I'll be there. So, uh, yeah, I'm really jazzed about it. Um, and um, the anyone who's watching this on YouTube, I have behind me a very small uh, Buffy and... Hellboy posters that are on my wall that were also in a college <laughs> dorm that made it into the background scene of one page of my book. So, nice. Right. There we go. <laughs> awesome. Uh, Mike, you're working on stuff. I am. I have a weekly YouTube thing I'm doing. My channel is MP197400. I will someday change it to Michael Pulley, but it isn't yet. And I'm posting weekly videos about stuff that I'm into. Uh, as you may know, I'm a professional hobbyist and a designer and a video producer. So check that stuff out if you like Stuff I'm into. Rad. And you'll, you'll be at uh, in the Bay Area of California at the end of April, right? Oh, yeah. Well, April 26th, my improvising team, um, Bad Girls. It's an 80% female improv team. I'm performing at Femprovisor, which is uh, a really neat female-focused improvising festival in San Francisco. We'll be at the Exit Theater April 26th at the uh, 8.30 is the show time. So that's actually really cool. It's a Friday night. Um, so we're... We're flying down for that fest for the day. Awesome. OMG, I, I want to get more details from you. Say, I want to get more details um, from you about that because I think I can go. And I am doing a two-day queer comic convention the next two days. So <laughs> if you wanted to come to um, the Queer Comics Expo at the Cartoon Art Museum in San Francisco on then April 27th and 28th, um, I will be there selling books and tabling. I also have a small show of my work up in the museum. And on the 28th, I'm doing a spotlight panel. So if you're in town for the weekend and want to see Michael and me, you can. <laughs> That's great. I'll go to your thing. That sounds awesome. I will try to go to your thing, too. Oh, cool. <laughs> Are you going to have your genderqueer book available? Um, it's not actually going to be for sale yet, but I'm hoping I'll have like an advanced reader copy that people can flip through. So, yeah. Wonderful. Well, I can. Yeah, I can wait for that. But I can familiarize yourself with the other work. Great. Awesome. Uh, and I've been Dennis St. John. Uh, you can buy my comics wherever the internet is found. Uh, Land of Many Monsters and Many More Monster Tales and Amelia Monsters and Girls book. Uh, and I got a new comic series I'm working on that's available on my Patreon, which is uh, Dennis St. John, D-E-N-I-S-S-T-J-O-H-N. Uh, all right. And uh, this has been Buffy Virgin. Uh, thank you all for listening and talking to us. Uh, you can visit our website, BuffyVirgin.com, for links to our blog, YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram, where you can see uh, original Buffy monster art sometimes. Uh, reach out. We love to hear from you. And don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, give us the likes. Uh, it really helps. And we'll see you all in hell.